0: back and forth. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 5, now going through Deuteronomy uh, and its importance for the saints. Why is it important? Uh, well, because it's in the Bible. Okay. So there's there's the obvious answer. Uh, we've mentioned in the past and before that Deuteronomy is cited over and over again in the New Testament as well. So if if Christ and the apostles are citing it, then we should probably pay heed to it. Well we're New Testament Christians, the law doesn't matter. You know, he has overcome the law. He has fulfilled the law. Okay, why does he talk about it so much? And so we look back there to understand where we stand here and and really how it applies. Today we're gonna embark on a, a, a look through probably the next two weeks at least, maybe the next three of the Ten Commandments. Um, and uh, their, their place, uh, really uh, an extraordinary gift of God to us. Israel is on the east side of the Jordan River getting ready to enter the promised land. And we have essentially here Moses recapping what has been. And we have here essentially a retelling of the Ten Commandments. um, Verses uh, 1 through 5, just to bring us up to where we were. Corbin, would you read 1 through 5, please? Of chapter 5, yes, thank you.
1: Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but but with us, with all those of us alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire while I was standing between the Lord and you at the time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. He said.
0: Right. Back in chapter 4 and verse 13, Moses said that he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. So, in the, with the Ten Commandments, as we go through them, you, you hear this before, but I'll, I'll just kind of recap it. The first four commandments deal with what?
1: Relationship between God and man.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's how, do we, how does this all work out? You know, what is our relationship with the living God? And let's, let's kind of have an anchor for our feet. What about the next six? Yeah, you know, it's like this and then it's like this. Okay, how are we supposed to get along with one another in light of this? Okay, so we've got the we've got the precedent right here and then ultimately how it's going to flow out. There's also a a an interesting tie between 1 and 10. Commandment 1 and commandment 10, but we'll save that for next time or maybe the time after that. But the Ten Commandments have really a singular importance to Israel uh, and how, it, how they were to live, how they were to worship, how they were to relate uh, with one another. What is the, if, if someone were to ask you, what is the greatest commandment? What would you say and why would you say it? Yeah. Okay. The Bible says it. <laughs> okay. Who who said that was the greatest commandment? Jesus. Jesus at Sunday school, after all. You know, Jesus said that was the greatest commandment. Is that in the Ten Commandments? No. Oh, it's it's the greatest commandment, but it's not in the. It's not. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll we'll flesh that out here ultimately in in the first commandment. So what we're going to do is we're just going to we're going to go step by step through the first four today. We're going to kind of break down the commandment, how it it plays out, its a relationship to Israel, its a relationship really to us. So the first commandment, verses six and seven. Olivia, would you read it, please? I am- Okay, that first commandment has sort of a preamble, kind of like the preamble to the Constitution, okay, kind of an introduction. What is what is the force of verse six? What what is being stated in verse six and why is it being stated? By one, God was picking off the Egyptian gods. this is this is an extraordinary statement. I mean I, I 'd have to rate this that statement: "I am the Lord, your God, right alongside in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you want a basis for reality? There's a good anchor point. You want to get completely wonky and goofy in your thinking? Reject that anchor point. Okay. I am the Lord your God. What does that not depend upon? Got nothing to do with you. I don't believe he is? Doesn't
1: make
0: it untrue. So what? Yeah. Just doesn't matter.
1: But interestingly enough, he implicates
0: you. I'm sorry, why?
1: Interestingly enough, he implicates you.
0: How so? What do you mean? Whether you believe it or not, I'm your God. Whether what, you can reject gravity. No, he didn't put a guy on the moon. Okay, you're one of the... Whatever. Um, I, I am. I am the Lord your God. Okay? Simple declaration, whether you acknowledge... And and so from that... Oh, by the way, that, that brought you out of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. So not only am I the Lord your God... What is my intent toward you? Why would I bring you out of slavery? Because I have a purpose for you. Okay, I have a purpose for you. I love you. I got you out of slavery. I got you out of prison. I got you out of jail. I freed you. I... Freed you. You know, God doesn't have you know uh, ulterior motives, just you know, we'll we'll teach him. We're gonna make him suffer sadistically, that's not God. God does have purposes, God does have consequences to idiocy and buffoonery and sin. There are consequences. He made the world that way. Praise God. But he cares. He cares about them. I am. I am the Lord your God. By the way, I brought you up out of Egypt. Remember. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. Period. Um. this is this is going to tie i mean the, the next the next commandment is idolatry but before we get to that and kind of linked with that what role do our affections play in this commandment what role do our priorities let's let's start with priorities that one's probably easier what role do our priorities have within this commandment No, first commandment. First commandment. You shall have no other gods before me.
1: Well, that he is to be our priority. Our top priority.
0: How much so? Completely. Like, he's one and two is like right there. Yeah, two's...
1: Well, and the word there, you know, before me makes it sound like Okay, you can have other gods just as long as I'm on top of the list. But um, I have a footnote that says a better word is besides.
0: So like there's no other. Yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, Scripture makes plain that there are no other gods. That's why they're all little g. They are all false. Are there other spiritual entities? Absolutely. We know that for sure but at the same time we have the creator and the creatures down here so i mean it's, it's it's not a thing and to have anything else is is a is a bad priority your priorities are askew if anything Supersedes your affections for God, and there I I brought up affections. You know, I, I, I said priorities, but I mean
1: priorities.
0: I don't like mowing the lawn. David likes mowing the lawn. I don't like mowing the lawn. Don't like it. Why do I mow the lawn?
1: Make sure your uh, backyard doesn't grow into a jungle. Okay. Yeah, because your priority is tidiness or, you know, good stewardship.
0: Yeah, I want my house to look nice. Does that bring me pleasure? Hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. brings me great joy. Oh. Oh, do I like mowing the lawn? No. I do, I do and therefore, I do that thing uh be, why do we do what we do because we enjoy those things? Why are you swollen coffee? Why'd you hork a donut I mean they're good, they're wonderful, we do that which we like, and so our affections are great, and we're going we're going to get into love here with within this these commandments because you know jump down to verse 10 we'll, we'll kind of get here god shows steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments it's not merely that god is number one he's not he's not my number one priority just because oh well he's god and so okay i'm, I'm gonna do what he tells me to no i should oh he brought me out of egypt I should love Him. There should be a love relationship with Him. You should have no other gods before me. There aren't any. And this is why when we get to the Shema in in chapter 6... You know, the, the word essentially for Israel, hero Israel, verse 4, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. How is my love for God shown? Okay. Obedience. Who says that? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. And his final words to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John, then in his epistle, reiterates the same thing. If you love me, you will obey me. Okay. But again, can I obey him and separate my obedience from my love for him? Can, can I obey him and not love him? Yes, we call that a Pharisee. Okay, the Pharisees get a black eye for this. Okay, just stuck on them too bad. Um, not all Pharisees were bad. But we're, we're, we're just, we're going through the motions. That's when Jesus is going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. I never knew you. And so why do I obey? Because I love him. Because I know he's got the best in store for me. That his, kind of as, we, as I preached last Sunday, um, Christ's temptation in the garden. Oh, take this cup from me. But why does he obey? Because he loves the Father. His desire, his superseding, his overarching desire is to do the will of the Father. Not your will but mine, or not my will but yours be done. I came to do the will of my father because there is good in that. I know that I know my flesh is going, Oh, this is, I don't want to mow the lawn, but there's good beyond it. And so I, I trust in that and our having God have no other gods before me. I mean, I don't want to say that's dumb, how could anybody... How could Israel even consider such a thing? Idols. Yeah, but you go, how?
1: coming out of Egypt, but... I to electrify. Yes. I think our sin nature blinds
0: us to the good things and the blessings. And so we naturally steer towards what bad. I'm thirsty, I'm hungry. Why'd you bring me out here to, to kill us, to starve us? You know, it... It was like 15 seconds out of Egypt, and Israel's already a mess. We're hungry. Yeah, we're thirsty. Let's make a calf, because Moses' is up on the mountain, like, oh, man. They made the calf out of the gold that God gave them right. from the Egyptians. Right. Yeah. And and we look back at them and go, but that's us. And that ultimately gets exposed here in, in just. In wretched ugliness within the Ten Commandments. But it shows us the extraordinary grace and love of our Father for us. That He would extend this to us. Hey, I am the Lord your God who redeemed you from your sin. Don't set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Yes, enjoy them. I created them for your enjoyment, but they're not the be-all, end-all. Huge starting point. We're going to probably springboard off of that because all of these others springboard off of that as well. The next commandment, our manner in our worship matters. Our manner Matters, Elaine, would you read 8, and, 8 through 10? Of chapter, five. of chapter 5, sorry.
1: You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing
0: steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Great. So, let's break this one down. You are not supposed to what? Make idols. You're not supposed to make idols. Do not make idols. Specifically, do not make for yourself a Carved image. image. Okay, let's get legalistic here. I bet. So if you make that carved likeness, you are not supposed to bow down and worship it. God says He is a jealous God. That. Punishment will come to the idolaters, and blessing will come to those who love him. Okay, so that's kind of the breakdown in a nutshell. What is idolatry? So are you suggesting then it's if, if I don't make a little tiki that and worship and set that thing up and worship it, I can still have idols that are not physical idols
1: Well, maybe physical but maybe not something you made you know, like watching television and.
0: Could excitement be an idol? How so? Uh, adrenaline junkies? Yeah,
1: adrenaline junkies. Spending hundreds of dollars going to amusement park and stuff. Yes, that'd be a waste. Well, if that's your priority over seeking God, then.
0: What is the problem with idolatry? It
1: takes
0: our affection from God. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, let's go back to the first verse, or the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. Why are you worshiping something else? A calf was made by God. And you're going to make one of gold? Really? You walk through a pasture. I mean, cows, really? (laughs) A lion, okay, okay, that I could buy. A cow, but, but again, the things that steer your heart and mind away from God is as silly and absurd as a cow. A.W. Tozer said that an idol of the mind is as offensive to God as an idol of the hand. Because your affections are for that thing and not for Him. A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer. An idol of the mind is as offensive to God as an idol of the hand. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, he's a jealous God. Is that, is that kind of... Is jealousy a good thing? Okay, with God, is it ever good for men to be jealous?
1: What are we jealous of?
0: Okay, what is jealousy good within a human being? Your
1: Your wife.
0: I'm sorry? Your wife. My wife.
1: To be jealous of any others that she might have affection
0: for. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I'm not jealous, I'm a sick puppy. I have no concept of the magnitude of this relationship. if I am not jealous for her affections? However. Okay, however what?
1: However, you have to be jealous in the right way. That can be taken to a sinful extreme.
0: Good. I can, I can begin to... Or find my, find my purpose and significance in her. <laughs> so, a, let's think of God's jealousy. God is jealous for our affections. Does that mean he get, he gets mad because we don't love him?
1: He is a consuming <laughs> fire.
0: What what is God's jealousy? How does that play out? It's righteous, though, I and mean,
1: He is worthy. Of he is yeah. yeah. He's not some clod who just wants you to like him.
0: He is worthy. He's the only <laughs> one that deserves that affection. He does. He does. You know, this is. If there were anything higher, anything better than God's glory, if God desired anything more than His glory—this is this is Piper and Desiring God—if if He desired anything greater than His glory, that would be greater than God. The greatest thing is God and His glory and. The best thing for you is to worship that, is to give Him that glory. And when you don't do that, you're missing it. God desires the best for you. And the best thing for you is Him. It's Him. It's Him. And so that is why when you're, what are you looking at? No, here. I'm jealous for your affections. And there will be punishment. Because he's a sadistic ruler. No. No, good. Yes. What's his desire in the punishment?
1: Turn your eyes the right (laughs) right. (laughs) way.
0: Yeah, bring you back. He disciplines those he loves. And so the desire of the living God in the punishment that he brings is to turn you back from the foolish things that you are pursuing.
1: But aren't there several times in the Bible where, like, he kills someone else to bring about good, like, uh, the person who reached up to touch the ark. I mean, mm-hmm. he sh- he, when he touched it, struck Z- it down, showing, no, you you've met. crossed
0: the line. Absolutely. Or, uh, does that mean Uzzah didn't go to heaven? No. Oh.
1: I huh? I he had a good intent, but God had said no.
0: properly started out disobedient and that anyway the rabbit trail so god's god is jealous in a good way he's jealous because he desires good for you and you're looking at garbage you're playing in the rubbish as, as c.s lewis would say you're making mud pies in the puddles when you can have a day at the beach. So, how do I know something has become an idol in my life?
1: You
0: get angry when that idol's not satisfied, but you're not satisfied. Okay. Improper emotions could be sorrow, could be grief. Distracts me from him.
1: Sometimes we don't see it, and somebody else might point it out to us. In which case, we don't always respond properly.
0: Can a doctor be an idol? can a doctor be an idol?
1: Because you want to follow everything he says. Or he, she says. She told me to do
0: this. Is it wrong to go to a doctor?
1: Sometimes. Yeah, depends on the doctor. <clears throat> Why are you going?
0: Because I don't feel good.
1: Well, sometimes good health is an idol.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh. And
1: the doctor is the conduit to
0: make that happen. Is Google an idol?
1: <laughs> you know,
0: I, th- I think of do I seek counsel from the living God? Do I seek counsel from his word? Do I seek counsel from the saints? Do I seek him first? Do I?
1: When i been reading through the Old Testament and David when he first became king I'm really impressed that Every time he's about to do something, he goes to the Lord and asks, should I go up against the Philistines? Should I go up against this? And sometimes God says go, and sometimes he doesn't. But that was really impressed upon me, that every time he asked God first.
0: Where is God in my life as far as decision-making is concerned? Fruit loops or apple jacks? No, there I go. Oh, Father, thank you for these. Thank you so much. Maybe both today. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a it is a God thing, God priority. Oh, I recognize this is now. Man, I got I open my cupboard. There's nothing there. So I go. Let me let me figure out how I can get. How about I turn to the living God. I, would you provide God I'm, I'm out I've got nothing would you provide um, ooh, I've, I've got a lump there right there God don't know what that is would you heal it would you help me not to worry about it would you Do I see counsel? Man, counsel from the saints. Whew, huge. That's a whole nother.
1: It goes back to our women's retreat and abiding in Christ. I mean, if, if you are abiding in Christ, then that will be the first place that you go, the first counsel that you seek.
0: Man! I mean, I'm married! <laughs> jobs homes and all of that who am I going to talk to I'm going to talk to my wife obviously why because I'm married to her why don't I talk to God that regularly because maybe I'm not married to him in the way that I should be maybe I don't pursue him as I should maybe my affections aren't for him as they should be maybe they are in my own wisdom and decision-making abilities Some people, with regard to idols, and we, you typically don't see this within Protestants, among Protestants. But some you do. Um, it helps me to worship. You know, just to hold the cross that's around my neck. It helps me to worship. Like Linus's
1: blanket.
0: Okay, let's focus on the worship. If you, need
1: yeah. that, if you need that to worship, then it has become an idol to you.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got a painting of, of Christ, and I, I love to look at that painting to really put myself in a better mind to to pray and to worship. Is that okay? You could argue You can and and we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna try and do limbo like nobody's business to to go ah well that doesn't nah ah probably one of the the most shuddering chapters I've ever read outside of scripture is j. i. Packer's chapter Two. Of knowing God. Where he talks about idolatry. And I'm looking for lightning bolts. As we set things up in our minds. Of who God is. Um, Just a a couple of quotes. I I would encourage you to read that. And and not go. That's old school. But to. Think about, in light of this commandment, how serious is idolatry? It is huge. Idols dishonor God because they obscure his glory. Any physical, how did God manifest himself to Israel? He didn't. I mean, he was... His voice was in the flame. He provided light through the pillar of fire, but God's not a pillar of fire. He provided the cloud by day. He is not a cloud. He spoke to them in the thunderings of the mountain. God is not lightning and thunder. He's not, so he did not appear to them. Why? Because God is spirit. Any image limits God. Immediately, right off the bat. It doesn't magnify God to us. It, it limits Him to that painting, that picture, that sculpture. A, John Calvin wrote that a true image of God is not to be found in all the world. Hence, His glory is defiled and His truth corrupted by the lie whenever he is set before our eyes in visible form because the key is not it's it's not the image it's what the image fails to reveal what the image fails to display How has God revealed himself to us? His word. word. Are words limiting? Yes. Yes. But who did the limiting? He did. So the words... And and again, we get this out of the words. The words are true. But they are not exhaustive. They're absolutely true. And hopefully in the words we see that they're not exhaustive of who he is. They dishonor God because they obscure His glory. They also mislead because they convey false ideas about God. Ultimately, your idea of God, if you require that image, will begin to conform to the image. And not the majesty and magnificence and omniness of God. Idolatry. Any any thoughts on this? Any well, uh 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 please. To bring God to into a comfortable place for us. Oh, comfortable God. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, isn't that American spirituality? I'm gonna, he's got his love, you know?
1: Ironically though, there's just not much comfort in that comfortable God. What can he do? I mean, if I can wrap my mind around God, then God. there's not really comfort in that. <laughs> <clears throat> So, I'm trying to, okay, so God, if we put him in any image, is bringing him down to the level of whatever we've imagined him to be. But Jesus was a man. He was. And people saw him. Yep, they did. So, um, a picture of Jesus is actually, because he was a man, is not, is that limiting also...
0: What pictures of Jesus doing that? We, we don't! We don't. Like the, only, the only
1: description we have of him really is from Isaiah. He was, uh, let's see. With the Word. word let's see. Man of is but also, but no the,
0: the, the, New
1: Testament.
0: the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace the representation colossians or philippians jesus says if you have seen me to you have seen the father
1: But remember, we can't see the body because He's on the everything we were.
0: Right. Like. But God has given us, again, a mediator between Himself and man, the perfect God, man, Christ Jesus. The perfect man. Christ Jesus, our Lord. What did He look like? It's irrelevant. Scripture tells us He wasn't anything to look at. Yeah, just a guy in a form that we... Oh, yeah. You know know, right? you you He's a guy. He's a carpenter. Is this, isn't this a carpenter's son? No, by the way, they whipped him beyond recognition anyway. Inflayed his body.
1: That's what he did what he said.
0: So, was God limited? He was physical in God the Son.
1: Once
0: again, though, he did the limiting. He, yeah. so our commandment is don't. No idols, no graven images, nothing, no priority. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. To have any other gods is to make an idol this is why John's, John's epistle, his first epistle, which is, it's, it's crazy. You read it, you read it, you go, fabulous. all oh, the ideas and the, the concepts of obedience and love and, and service and following after God. And all, all of a sudden at the end, Don't idols. little children, keep yourself from idols. He didn't talk about idolatry anywhere in there. Oh, yes, he did. It's chock full of idolatry. When you don't obey Him and when you go your own way. When you follow after the things that you think will satisfy you on this earth.
1: I know by the way you're saying that you love
0: God. Yeah. No. No. And that's why he says here at the end, those who love me and keep my commandments. You know there's 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 a consequence. This is there is a consequence to not following after God. And it will come in punishment. How long how long does that punishment play out? Yeah, I mean, the consequences echo and ripple. Can somebody turn to the living God in those generations? Yes. But those consequences are going to continue to ripple until somebody turns back to the living God. And he will show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And again, those two things go hand in hand. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me and don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. If you keep my commandments only, you don't love me. Those things go together. They must. That has not changed from 1500 BC to today. It hasn't. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So we got through two of them. Um, so let me let me just jump to the the part, kind of the the applications in just the the few minutes we have left. Um, as, as we go through this. These especially these commandments about our relationship with God. I hope you get the feeling and perhaps the the impression that we are far too cavalier about how we worship God. The the end of Hebrews twelve where our God is a consuming fire. He's holy. He's absolutely righteous in all of his ways. He's not a dude. He's not. He is. I am the Lord, your God, whether you believe it, whether you bow the knee or not. And that for us to have any other gods before him in any way, shape or form is a mess. It's like, are, are you kidding me? And for those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, who do not then swallow full of what he has for them, instead goes, eh, and goes off to somewhere else. Oh, is it any wonder the writer of Hebrews says, there is no other salvation for such a one. There is no other sacrifice to bring one back. If they taste and see and they reject, ah, what else is there? Yeah. Yeah. So we must guard ourselves against idolatry in our lives. Next week we'll, we'll get into taking the name of the Lord in vain. So think about that. What does that mean to take the name of the Lord in vain? And then also wrestle with the Sabbath. Should we be Seventh day Adventists? Should we worship really on Saturday? Um, is, is Christ our Sabbath? And therefore Sunday really is meaningless anymore? Or how's all that play out? So the name of God and the Sabbath uh, will be what we look at next week. If we have time, we may start getting into the other commandments with regard to our relationship with Man, honor your mom and your dad.